Welcome to the Executive Central Podcast. I'm Phil Dobby, and today more on innovation with Rob Barmer, the MD of Executive Central. This time, we're looking at coaching for an innovative culture. And uh, Rob, I, I just wonder how you can do that, because obviously, uh, I mean, you can help with uh, innovation, but innovation is all about ideas, isn't it? Which surely depends, I would have thought, to a large part on who you are, who you, what your experiences are, and how your brain is wired. So how can you replace that with coaching? How can you prize innovation out of people with coaching? Well, Phil, I think a big part of uh, you know, the generation of ideas um, in the first place is actually having thinking time mm. to actually you know, make the space to let someone uh, you know, put their mind into a quieter space, if you like, and, and have those more innovative or, or idea-generating uh, times. Yeah. Um, and so to, to have that in a busy work environment we all know how full people's diaries just get through the run of business um, is a lot easier said than done. So where I think coaching can help on that front is helping people to really specifically explore um, strategies to better prioritize things like thinking, um, but prioritize and organize their time more effectively. Right. Um, you know, so there's a very practical so, so, thing. So, so it's all about yeah, work sorry. structure. It's not sitting there with somebody and saying, right, let's let's come out with some innovative ideas while I'm sitting here. Let's do this between the two of us. It's saying, no, you're the innovator. Uh, let's try and find ways that you're going to be given the, the tools and the time to be able to do that. No, you're exactly right. I, I think the interesting thing is that ideas have a funny way of happening when they're ready to happen, Yeah. right? You can't force them to happen. And we see this actually a lot with organisations where, you know, they'll put aside a, right, we're doing a we're doing a strategic planning day on the 24th and we're all going to be there and at that moment it's all just going to happen, yeah. right? And everyone feels the and, pressure. Whereas, in fact, yeah. often, often the best ideas are, you know, like in the shower. You're not even thinking about it. It comes from nowhere. Well, absolutely. And that's what I mean about this sort of uh, quietening the mind a little bit. Um, mm. You know, people talk about meditation to do that sort of thing. Well, I find I can do it sitting on the back of my ride-on mower. You know, where I'm just concentrating on something fairly mundane, but all of a sudden your brain has space to actually think about that. So I think that whole piece about, you know, how do you create that uh, space and that environment that enables people's uh, ideas and creativity to flow is a, is a pretty important one for businesses to consider. Right. So um, how do you do that then? How do you, how do you create that environment? What are, what are the things that you need to put into your workplace environment and, and your life generally, I guess? And, it, and it, it's not just you, is it? It's not just coaching the boss. It's also how does the boss then engender that into the, the environment, the working environment for everyone else? Because you want everybody to be innovative. Yeah. Well, look, if whoever is playing the coaching role here, and, you know, it's interesting, we often think about, oh, we have to get a coach in to be the coach. Mm. I'm not talking necessarily just about that. I'm talking about the, the manager or the leader as coach as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in, in one of our previous discussions, we talked about you know, you cannot identify identify who the innovator is going to be. It might come from the most unlikely source, but everybody has a capacity for innovation. So if it's the leader playing the role of coach, it's actually how do I help my people make that time? Yeah. Right? So um, more specifically, it really does come down to a matter of priorities and the way people organise their days. So my feeling is that if you have a day that is completely chock-a-block back-to-back uh, with meetings and, and, and it's usually meetings, but, you know, activities, let's call it, mm. um, that, that fills that space, you are robbing yourself of any time at work at least 
of of having any space to think. Now, when we say think, it sounds like you know you run into someone in the lift and you say, "How's your day going?" Oh, I'm having a really good thinking day. Everyone would sort of <laughs> laugh at you, right? Mm-hmm. And say, "God, yeah, wish I wish I had that job. You've obviously got nothing to do." Um, uh, what I'm really thinking about here is that you know if, if you think about problem solving as an example, um, if you if you think about um, you know how do I uh, really analyze a situation to make sure I'm solving the right problem or yep. what is the problem here that we've got that that all takes that thinking time that quality thinking time that I'm talking about so so I really do think it is a matter of how can we start to restructure our days to at least have you know space in in time how much how, how much space we, i mean I, I know it's how long is a piece of string but i mean for yeah. the for the average uh you know office-based uh organization yeah. what should we use mm. ha- half the day should you make sure you haven't got half you the know, day schedule with stuff yeah well uh google is an often cited case uh here where they they allow and i believe it's 20 to 25 percent of every person's time is meant to be put towards an innovative task Mm-hmm. Uh, to give them space for innovative thinking or invention or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Now, you know, you sort of think, wow, God, a quarter of my time. How could I do that? Well, it's a matter of how important is innovation to your overall objectives. Because um, if, if it is truly an important thing, well, giving 20 or 25% of it, uh, of your, your available time to a critically important thing, to me, doesn't sound like, uh, being so stupid. <laughs> what, what about um, the what about the people you work with then? Because I mean, often innovation yeah. doesn't come just from you. It becomes for it, it comes from yes. you know sharing ideas. It's it's your it's your organisation and the and the and the other minds. You know, and pulling those yes. those together. And that doesn't happen in meetings, does it? it it's no, got to no, happen. Absolutely right. And and you know this this really hits on. So if if we were to sort of say creating the time is one very important theme that coaching you know a coaching approach can help with. That another one that then immediately uh, springs to my mind as a result of your question is is really how do I truly embrace the diversity of um, of my team of the people around me yeah. to enable um, uh, innovation because the, the truth is people are going to innovate in different ways you can't think you can't assume that everyone's going to innovate the same way you do and therefore you should force them into your method that works for you. Um, so I think if, uh, one of the things we find in coaching is um, this really takes us down a path of how do I create an inclusive environment that makes space for different styles of people, different right. styles of innovation. Because um, when because when you talked about diversity, that made me I was thinking you know how many companies now say oh yes we, we we're a diverse organisation you know we've got people uh, of different genders from different ethnic backgrounds uh, you know um, uh, different orientations different height. Uh, d- different levels of education you know we we've, we've got it we've got all the boxes ticked and that probably doesn't help in the sort of it's not the sort of diversity you're talking about is it well no it's not um having said that let me say having good diversity in those things can help mm. or maybe increases the probability of getting uh you know a good diver- diversity of innovation things like that but um it, probably another topic altogether, Phil. But I, I think, unfortunately, the diverse, diversity discussion um, gets a little bit hijacked by those things: gender, you know, generations, culture, as you said, all those sorts of things. That's what I would call surface diversity, or if you like, inherent diversity. Yep. None of us can choose whether what our gender is, our culture, our age. That just is, right? Now. What we're really after, certainly for innovation, is what I'd call deep diversity or maybe acquired diversity. 
And that's diverse things like diversity of thought, diversity of approach, diversity of ideas, you know, et cetera, et cetera, diversity of experience, diversity of information. And all of that is actually the core or those are the core ingredients for quality innovation, whether it's the incremental in, in, innovation we talked about uh, another time or, uh, or radical innovation, which we all probably strive for these days. If you've, you've got to get that deep diversity working for you, but if we bring it back to how can coaching help with that, that's actually really challenging for people to do and so requires someone to be, uh, you know, having a lot of self-awareness, a lot of emotion and, and moving on from self-awareness, you know, broader emotional intelligence that helps them get the best out of other people in right. the innovation space. And I guess and also saying I'm, I, I'm deliberately going to go out and seek people who I perhaps don't agree with or I, I, I struggle with some of their concepts. I'm deliberately going to go and talk to them. Correct. Yep. The, the best innovators are the ones that surround themselves with people that they know are going to challenge them. They mm. know they're going to think about something differently and they actually embrace that diversity or by definition diversity is difference. Um, I, I love a term called mining for conflict. Um, and it's a term that's mm. often used with respect to how teams can work uh, very effectively. But mining for conflict, if you think about mining, is a deliberate act of digging. Yeah. So um, people that deliberately look for the conflict, and I don't mean fights, but difference, the conflict yeah. of opinion, um, that style of thing, mining for conflict, becomes a very strong enabler of an innovative culture but requires some you know, uh, resilience and robustness on the part, part of everybody, but particularly the leader, to enable that to actually happen. And certainly coaching can help that. So when you're in a coaching environment and you're looking for this diversity, I guess the discussion then is who have we got in the organisation and, and what sort of mix of attitudes and how can we pull them all together to, to work on projects which are, are, are going to be successful if we get them sort of aggregated together? Um, yes, and as you're saying that, Phil, I'm even thinking and picturing the chessboard. Mm. You know, we're, we're sitting there looking at the pieces on the chessboard and working out how we're going to deploy them and play them. And that brings us back to the first point, isn't it? Isn't that thinking? Yeah. That's, that re really requires a very strategic, uh, analytical thinking approach uh, to how we're going to get the best end result. So that you know, feeds back into that theme. Now, one thing we, t we spoke about last time when we were, we were talking about innovation was that, you know, this idea of, I, I think I asked the question, how long do you go with it before you know mm -hmm. this isn't working? You know, the uh, uh, how long do, how long do you keep at it? And uh, there is that danger, isn't there, that, you know, you'll think you'll you'll go, you'll give up too early or you're, you're scared of something going wrong. You know, you're, you have this fear of failure as well. How do, how do you get over that? you know in a, in a coaching environment yeah well look as we said last time phil the the uh the ingredient of failure is a critical ingredient in most innovation there's there is very rarely quality innovation or invention even that happens without you know iterations of call it failure now i love that quote about thomas edison he tried and failed more than a thousand times to invent the carbon fiber filament that's at the heart of every light bulb. Mm. And when he was asked about that, he said, no, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just found a thousand ways not to invent the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. But yeah. It really does come down to what is your view on, on failure? You know, uh, just another little analogy. We all remember those little maze puddle, puzzles, sorry, maze puzzles that used to be in the newspaper. 
right? Mm. And, you know, back when before we had electronic, electronic games and we had to do sort of fairly mundane things like that. That's what and we did for fun in those your, days, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's right, exactly. And you had to find your way through the maze. Now, every now and then you'd get to a point in the maze where there was a, you know, a T intersection and you didn't know whether you had to go left or right. Well, what did you do? Mm. Well, you picked one and yeah. you would go along and if you found out that that was a dead end, you went back to the T intersection and went the other way. Now, was that a failure? No. Or was it, that actually so a learning? What, what you're talking about, exactly, it's learning, and but it's also persistence, isn't it? It's not giving up. Correct. So if we think about that, if that's all easy to say, of course, you need to be able to fail, but in organisational life, the, the, the perceived threat and the things that can come with those failures are things that often we need to provide some coaching support to the people who are innovating to keep them going because it's very easy for them to get discouraged, to, to feel criticised, uh, to, to feel embarrassed when something that they thought might work actually doesn't. Um, but what I, what I think is even more important is to, is to be extracting, well, hang on, what part did work and what part didn't? Let's keep the part that did and refine the part that didn't mm. um, and, and until we get a closer uh, you know, approximation to what we're trying to get, which is a success. So, in terms of applying this then in practice, because you've given a few very good examples there, you know, sort of like, uh, as we've just been talking about failure now, and also creating more time and making sure you've got this diversity of opinions and and everyone's working together, all makes perfect sense. But if you're applying that in in a coaching environment, what do you do? You sort of like take that at the top and say, this is how your organization needs to think, and you, you spend time with the senior managers and then they pass it down is that how this gets spread through an organization yeah well i I, in a lot of ways yes phil it is that that cascading effect i'll call it Mm. of a coaching approach um really does have a massive impact on the entire culture now we're talking about innovation here it has a massive impact in lots of other ways as well um but yes if you can get your senior people beginning to practice a coaching approach and and look perhaps it might make sense to just very quickly, when I say a coaching approach, what are we really talking about there? We shouldn't assume everyone just understands it. I, I would actually say the fundamental thing about a coaching approach as opposed to, say, a training approach or a, or a telling approach or a consulting approach is that it's the coaching is focused on the application of new knowledge, yeah. right? So in an innovation sense, that's critical because I need to, you know, find new things, uh, find out new information and make decisions and then apply them and then come back again and review that and refine it and apply it again. So it's this sort of reflect, plan, act, reflect, yeah. plan, act. That cyclical nature of coaching, which is usually conducted over a period of time, not just one off, um, it is, is really what we're talking about here. And without that focus on application, all you end up with is a whole bunch of people gaining bits of information and knowledge, but never doing anything with it. Yeah, because it doesn't so, relate to their company specifically and their and their situation, no, exactly. which is what you're talking about. Yeah, you know that's that's the great dilemma. I think we've talked on another occasion about you know the 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 challenge of of training transfer. You know, you you go and learn some new things on training, but it never finds its way into application. So, you know. A coaching approach, whether it's done by a professional coach or whether it's done by a leader or a manager, is really all about that uh, cycle of reflection and then 
make a new plan and then go and act again. So it's keep people acting. So if you haven't got a coaching environment, and this is a final question for you, it's, it strikes yep. me that if you've not got a, a coaching environment, uh, this is a good place to start because this is a this is a, a clear win, isn't it? Uh, Building an innovative culture in your in your business. It, it is. And and again, as, as we're focusing on innovation, yes, that's the fastest way to get to an innovative culture is to start creating some of this. But I would hover up higher than that and say, you know, a positive, constructive culture generally comes can be strongly supported by this kind of leadership and management behaviour and or support from, from external uh, coaching sources. Um, you know, creating a constructive culture where people feel like they can be their best self and unlock their full potential, mm. um, you know, just has huge um, ramifications for the performance of an organisation as opposed to what you might call a defensive culture where people are pretty much going, well, gee, I don't want to try anything here because, you know, I might get slammed. Um, So I'll just keep my head down and engage in safer pursuits, which is usually I'll do the bare minimum. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I might do that very well, but you're hardly going to really... You know, uh, move the um, goalpost. You're not going to move the goalpost yeah. that way. Yeah. You're not going to stand out from the crowd or move the goalpost. No, you're yeah. not. Great to talk as always, Rob. Look forward to our next chat. Thanks, Phil. Look forward to it. Bye. He always has a lot to say, doesn't he? You know, I go into these discussions with Rob just wondering whether he's going to state the obvious, but there's always, he always has this new way of looking at things, which shifts how you think about how companies can operate. So I'm learning a lot on these podcasts, so hopefully you are too. I'm Phil Dobby. We'll be back again with another one with Rob Barmer on the Executive Central Podcast. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.